have been operating in fear for the last few days. But I got a word from the Lord for you. You better come up out of it tonight. Can't nobody be against you. So why don't you let God do it for you? <laughs> well, feels like church. I said it feels like church. I just feel that in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to come out of fear tonight. You've been too afraid to do some things for God because you're afraid of judgment. Maybe you're afraid of your family. Maybe you're afraid of the world. But let me tell you something. The Lord is your life. You ain't got a reason in the world to one person and it'll set this place on fire tonight I wish whoever that song is speaking to the most I wish you would just come up out of your fear cocoon and let God give you beauty for ashes let God give you beauty for the grave you've been in you ought to just start dancing and say this is because I was afraid you take 30 seconds and see what the
God is help coming into this room right now. You've been carrying a heavy load, but the burden bearers in the room tonight, you need to let him help you carry the load tonight. Feels good. Whoa, I hate, I hate to tell you to go back to your seat, but but if, when you go back, don't don't let go of your praise. Help the preacher preach tonight. Musicians don't go anywhere. I don't think I'm gonna be very long. And uh I feel like I have something for us tonight. But uh, I'm going to do my best to preach what I feel in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to do my best to help somebody. Is that okay? I'm going to turn your attention to Acts chapter 12, verse 7. While you're turning, I give honor to your pastor, Bishop Williams. I love him so very much. I'm so thankful for he and his family, Sister Williams. Yeah, the rest of y'all to clap your hands for your pastor's family. Very, very, very thankful for them and, and thankful for their children. I love Judah and Isaac so much. I appreciate them for being very kind to me. I feel like part of the family. And uh, I, I know that uh, one of these days that uh, only time is going to be able to tell the impact that they're having on this city. And I just believe that when we get to the other side, there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to be thankful for the Williams saying yes. And I'm not saying that to butter them up because Bishop's not even here. So, and I, I appreciate him allowing me to preach in his absence. It takes a whole lot of trust for a man to do that. And I'm very thankful to have that trust. I would never want to betray it. I give honor to my pastor as well, and, and I know that y'all gonna think this is crazy, but my Mima has been watching, and I wanna give her honor. And my mother has been watching, so I wanna give her honor. And uh, last but certainly not least, I wanna give my pastor honor. Pastor Nathan Holmes, I love him so very much. The Bible says, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying arise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands and the angel said unto him gird thyself and bind on thy sandals and so he did and he said unto him cast thy garments about thee and follow me and he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw a vision when they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate and leadeth unto the city, which opened to them on his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety. Somebody say of a surety. That the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered this thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. 
And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go, shew these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. And as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. For a very few moments, I believe that I have a word for this church. And uh, the, that word is, it's already done. You ought to look at your neighbor and say, it's already done. No, they didn't get it. You need to look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm believing that it's already done. God's already done it. He's already sent the notice. It's time, sealed, and delivered. It's already done. Lord, help us tonight. God, give me grace. Give me mercy tonight. I want to do your will tonight, God. I'm asking you to give me what you've given to me, God. Stir my soul, God. Stir the hearts of your people, Lord. We owe you yes and amen, God. Anoint these lips of clay, God. And I'm believing you're going to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight, God. I'm believing that people are going to receive the word tonight, God. Do whatever you want to do in the house, God. And we'll follow in line with you in Jesus' name. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Come on, shout it like a soldier in Jesus' name. I know my hope of You may be seated for just a moment. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about this situation we found ourselves in tonight with old brother Peter. Now, you understand that in the scripture, Herod, he was a, a vicious king. He hated Jesus and he hated his followers. The one thing about Herod, though, was he had an unnerving desire to please the Jews. See, it becomes very concerning when you are a people pleaser in the house of God. I'm going to be honest with you. As a, as a person who thinks of himself as a people pleaser myself, I can tell you that it can become dangerous to be a people pleaser. Because if you try to please people more than you please God, you realize that you will become man's fool. I'd rather be God's fool than man's fool. You better be careful who you're trying to please tonight. Don't let mama try to influence your ideology. Don't let daddy try to influence your theology. You need to say my feet settled on a rock tonight and as long as I got King Jesus, Everybody else may walk away from me. Everybody else might say I'm crazy. Everybody else might say that's legalism. You don't have to speak in tongues, but I got news for you. You do got to speak in tongues. That's the only way God can come and live inside these earthen vessels. But, but, but. 
King Herod, he, he had a problem. He wanted to please the Jews more than he wanted to please God. You got to understand something. Herod was an adopted Jew. He was not a man that fully understood the ordinances of the Jews. That's why he could not see that Jesus was the Messiah. If you don't know two plus two, then you can't give me four. And so that's what Herod was. He was in a position of authority, but he was not chosen by God. He was appointed by man. And so Herod, because of the continuous mistakes in his lifetime, it spread his fate to a sorrowful end. But I, I just want to tell somebody tonight, God's giving you an opportunity to make the right decision tonight. And so Herod had killed a disciple already, and he saw that it pleased the Jews, and he said, well, if that pleased them, I got one of them that I know it'll please them if I kill them. If I kill that Peter, if I kill that apostle, see that the, the world is always going to come after the man of God. You realize that? So can I, just, can I just add this in here? Nobody told me nothing. Nobody told me to say this. But if the world's already attacking our pastors and leadership, I don't think the church ought to assist in attacking the pastors and the leadership. Hey, if you're going to talk about it, talk about him in prayer. God anoint him. God direct him. God keep him. God give him strength. God help his wife to be a good wife. God help him to lead our church into the future. Hey, if you're going to talk about it, get on your knees and talk about it. So King Herod, he comes for Peter. He said, get him, lock him up. We're going to kill him. And, and while Peter was laying down in the jail cell, now we know that all the disciples met a terrible fate. But this instance, God decides, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let that be the end all for you, Peter, just yet. There's a little bit more that I've got for you to do. And so this is what Peter does. He's laying in jail, bound up. I assume that he probably accepted his fate. And here's what happens. All of a sudden, a light shines. And that light is an angel. And, and matter of fact, the light didn't even wake him up. The angel had to hit him on the side. And when the angel hit him on the side, then that woke him up. And he says, Peter, follow me. We ain't got time to waste. You got to follow me because tonight God's bringing you out of this. But listen, let me tell you what was very interesting about it. The church was having a prayer meeting about Peter's situation. The church said, hey, God, we need you to intervene. God, we need you to make a move. God, we need you to help us because the man of God is in a bad situation. And while God, they were praying, God was answering the prayer. But here's what's so funny about the story. Peter comes to himself and he gets to making his way down to Mary's house where the prayer meeting's going on. I bet you they were having a time in there. I bet you he could hear them wailing and speaking in tongues, kind of like how we was doing at the beginning of this service. I bet you he could hear them. The women probably was shouting and hooping and hollering and the men was out on their knees travailing for God to move. And while he knocks at the door, this little girl, she comes, she hears his voice, but she don't open the door. She said, oh my word, Peter, Peter is at the door. They said, no, you're crazy. You, you're crazy. We're in here praying for Peter to get freed. We're in here praying for Peter to get out of jail. We, we didn't got no money. We're praying. You have lost your mind. See, when other people don't see what you saw, when other people ain't been freed like you've been freed, 
when other people are still wrapped in chains, they're not able to see exactly what God's doing in the midst of your life. So they want to downplay it. And the way this generation says, they want to gaslight you. They want to tell you, oh, no, 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 you don't know. You don't even know. You, you, you think you know. That's cute. But now we're in here praying for Peter. Peter cannot be standing at the door. We know he's in jail. But what they didn't know was that God had already performed the miracle that they had been praying for. Brother White, what are you trying to say to us? I'm trying to tell you, you've been praying for some things and God's already performing the miracle. You just got to stand in faith and believe that God is getting ready to do it. Let me tell you something. We've been waiting a long time. I know it. You've been waiting on this building. You've been waiting on the AC units. I just got a word of faith to tell somebody. God's already done it. I wouldn't even worry about it no more. But I just believe that God's faithful and God's just. God's about to give us this building. Let me tell you something. There's a mama in here. I don't know where you're at. I can't spot you out. But there's a mama in here. You've been praying for backsitting babies. You better believe that God's already working on them. God's already moving on them. God's already convicting them. God's already working on their hearts. You just got to believe in faith that it's already done. Now, now let me give you another example. I'm going to take to the Old Testament. Second Chronicles. Lord have mercy. I feel like God's about to move in this place. If you jump on board with me, ain't no telling what God's going to do. Second Chronicles. Chapter 20. I believe I gave him verse 1. I'm not really sure. I'm sorry. But I'm going to go down to verse 5, if that's okay. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Israel and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen. And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? See, Jehoshaphat already knew the answer to all these questions. He was like, God, I know that you're able. I, I know you brought our forefathers through that Red Sea. You, you made, you parted it into two. I know that you made manna come down from heaven and and I know that you, 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 you've done just incredible things. You've given us sweet water when we had bitter water. You, you gave us water out of a rock when nobody else had water around us. You, you gave us wells that we did not dig. You gave us houses that we didn't even build. You gave us vineyards that we did not plant. He said, and God, here we are. We're standing in a battle. And God, the only way that I can think that we can get out of this battle is if you step up for us. But let me tell you something about Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the third king over Judah. The first king of Judah was a terrible king. He led Judah into idolatrous worship. They were terrible. God was sorely displeased with Judah. And you know, we always talk about Judah being a place of praise. And, and it is. 
But Judah was always something, they always, they praised, but sometimes the praise got a little mismanaged. And so the first king, he led them astray, and they were, they were worshiping the devil kings. But Jehoshaphat's father, he stepped up and he said, you know what, I, I just can't do this no more. I'm going to go back to the God that I know can bring me out. He said, I, I'm sorry, I don't want your new age easy believism. I, I don't want that, that, that messed up doctrine that can never heal, that can never set free. I, I don't want that doctrine. I want the doctrine that worked for my grandmother and it worked for my great-grandmother and it'll keep working as long as the Lord our God shall call. That's the doctrine that I want. So King Jehoshaphat's father, bear with me now, King Jehoshaphat's father, he said, we're going to go back to worshiping the one true God. And so that's exactly what they did. They began to worship God and God alone. They gave sacrifices only to God. And let me tell you something, something in King Jehoshaphat as a little boy, he saw his daddy turn the kingdom back to God. And he just said, I, I, I can't risk this. I can't risk losing this. I can't risk losing the favor that we have. If it worked for daddy, I think it'll work for me. Some of you let that go over your head just now. Let me, let me bring it a little closer to home for you. Your children are watching you. And when they might stray away at some point, God forbid that they do. But they'll always know, I can't go to some dead, dried up church. I can't go to a church that don't have power. I got to go back to the rock church. I got to get back to my roots every now and again. I got to get back to that Pentecostal church. I got to get back to that Jesus name church. Matter of fact, it worked on Jehoshaphat so strong that Jehoshaphat said, I'm not just content with us worshiping the one true God. He said, every time I look up in the four corners of the kingdom, he said, I see something that reminds me of our past. It reminds me of, of when we went astray. He said, I need somebody to go up to the four corners and I need you to pull down those golden statues of idolatry. So, so let me explain to you why, why that's so significant. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're by the pulling down of what? Strongholds. See, what Jehoshaphat understand is, it might be out of the way. We might not see it every day, but it's a stronghold on this city. That's why people wonder why we preach so hard against all the different things we preach against, perversion and the things of this world. It's a stronghold that has nothing but a desire to take you into idolatrous worship, to take you out of the kingdom of God, to pull you down into a devil's hell that was never designed for you. But I come to tell the devil and all of his imps tonight, you cannot have the Rock Church Fort Myers. You cannot have our city. You cannot have our region. You cannot have this revival that we're having. This is for God, and we're going to keep it that way. Now, now you've understood a little bit about Jehoshaphat. He said, no, no, no. Tear it all down. So they did. And God was so pleased with Jehoshaphat that there was never a battle that Jehoshaphat couldn't go into. And God did not bless them and bring them out of it. And so here's what happens. Jehoshaphat finds himself in a war. But yet again, and this is what he says, God, I know that you're powerful. God, 
I know you're mighty. The kingdom of the heathens don't even belong to them. It belongs to you. He said, There's, you gave us land and you gave us everything that we have. He said, now unless you're ready to get rid of us, he said, God, I just need you to do what you do best. But here's the response. He said, then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jerael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. I wish somebody would get revelation right now. The battle ain't even yours to fight. He said, it's God's battle. And if it's God's battle, he don't lose. Now, let, let, let me give you one more little, you're probably wondering, Brother White, how does this have anything tied with your mess? I'm glad you asked. So Jehoshaphat says, I'm not worried about the battle. He said, because we just got a word from the Lord. He said, and if we believe the prophets, see, that's where it comes in. If you believe the preacher, Oh, help me, God. If you believe the preacher, he said, if we believe what the prophet said to us, he said, instead of worrying, instead of getting the army together, instead of going through recruits exercises, he said, I just need a praise team. <laughs> Some of you see where I'm going. I'm trying to get the rest of you to see where I'm going. He said, I just need a praise team. He said, I need somebody to get on the organ. I need somebody to get on the piano. I need somebody to slam on the cymbals. I need somebody to play the drums. I need somebody to play the bass. I need somebody to play the guitar. Because we're not going into battle. He said, we're going into a worship service. Now, now let me tell you. This is what he says. He says, all you praise team singers, give us some praise team singers. Don't get a mic because you don't need to sing tonight. Just come up here with praise team singers. He said, get me a couple praise team singers. Get me, get me a worship team. He said, I don't want nobody that's going to play around with it. He said, I need some folks that know how to pray, praise God. He said, if we're going to be the tribe known for praise, we better come with it tonight. He said, because we're going into a battle that's already been won. And I'm sure everybody around them was saying, how, God, well, how, how do you know that, Jehoshaphat? What, what's going to happen? How do you know what's going to happen? He said, listen, all I know is I got a word from God. He said, I, I, I don't know what you think's going to happen. He said, but the word of the Lord said this ain't our battle. He said, the word of the Lord said that it's won. He said, so I, I don't need, I don't need the, the warriors out in front. I don't need our strongest out in front. He said, I just want my praise team singers out in front. He said, and what we're going to do is, he said, we're going to go into this battle, but not the way we normally do it. We're going to go into this battle praising God. Hold on a minute. Let me come down here. He said, we're going to come into the battle praising God. And the Bible says that they begin to sing praises and march in the battle. 
Now you saying, Brother White, what were they singing? I don't know what they were singing. Maybe they were singing, I'm on the battlefield fighting for my Lord. But all I know is we're going into battle and we're not going to play around with it. But we're going to go singing praises unto God. And every now and again, you might get a little happy. You might start shouting a little bit. But every time I think about the goodness of Jesus, every time he's brought us out, you got to the goodness of being in the church. I know who's on my team. I know who's on my team. The enemy doesn't know who's on his team. Well, when you're backbiting and gossiping and lying all the time, you don't know who is on your team. But the Bible says they got confused and they turned on each other. And the Bible says they killed each other. Not only did they kill each other, they utterly destroyed each other. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says when Judah got there, they had been singing praises. They had been shouting and dancing. They were sweating like I'm sweating right now, out of breath like I am. But you know what they did? The Bible says when they got to the battlefield, they didn't even have to fight. They didn't have to draw a sword. They just started picking up all the, the spoils of war. You know what that looks like? They started picking up the precious gold. And they started picking up precious silver. They started picking up things that make you rich after war. So what are you trying to say to us, Brother White? I'm trying to tell you, some of you are fighting battles that were not designed for you. Some of you are going to march into a battle that's not designed for you. But And you're wondering, you're stressed out, how the business going to make it? How are we going to do it, God? How, how my family going to make it through this? I just come to tell somebody, it's already done. You don't have to fight in this one. You can sit this one out, but it's already done. It's already done. You need to prophesy. It's already done. It's already done in my house. It's already done in my house.
shake your hands, that's all y'all to do. For some of us, we got two good knees. Oh, you better We got two good feet. We got two good hands. Now I understand some of the elders, they can't, they can't do it like they used to. But to some of us young people, let me tell you something, man. I know some of you young people ain't got family in church. You ought to go ahead and say it's already done. They come home. Some of you, you got love with that until you all say it's already done. But let me tell you something. When it's already done, you don't just... Let me tell you something. Some of you need to envision it in your mind. You need to go ahead and see it with your spiritual eye. You need to see mama get the Holy Ghost. You need to see daddy get the Holy Ghost. You need to see the babies come back home. You need to see the business flourishing. You need to see your finances being blessed. You need to see when you see it.
the way has already been laid for you to come to salvation. And the same message I give to everybody else in this room, it's already done for you. If you need the Holy Ghost, it's already done. You just got to come on. If you need to be baptized, the water's already troubled. You just got to come on. Hey, maybe you've been back far from God for a while and you think, oh, I can never pray back through. Maybe it's already done. You just got to come on down and let God answer the prayer of somebody in this room. So listen, we're going to dance again. And I'm going to tell you, I know people in this room, you probably think, I don't have the Holy Ghost. I ain't supposed to be dancing. The Bible doesn't say let everything that have the Holy Ghost dance. It doesn't say let everything that's been in church for several years dance. It don't even say let everything that's got their lives together dance. But the Bible says as long as you got breath in your body. Let me tell you, you qualify tonight. You qualify to be a praiser. You qualify to dance tonight. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. You just supposed to dance.